0: Welcome in, everyone, once again to the Talking Tide podcast. I am Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and the radio host of Southern Fried Sports at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa with you. The Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. And of course, you can get Talking Tide at our web host, which is at podbean.com. Also, various platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We want to thank our fine sponsors, Heat Pizza Bar, Southern Ale House, and North River Dental Associates. More on those three fine local businesses a bit later in the program. But uh, the regular season put to bed, Travis, we look forward to Alabama's SEC championship game against the Florida Gators. It'll be, of course— uh, in Atlanta on Saturday evening and uh, a game that I guess is going to have a little less national intrigue and anticipation, given that Florida just got handed a pretty embarrassing loss to LSU. But nevertheless, uh, it's an exciting Florida offense, a Florida offense that is more than capable of, of lighting up any defense, including Alabama's and, and uh, it's uh uh, it's an opponent. Alabama's definitely got to come in with plenty of respect.
1: Yeah, I think you said it. I think there is more than enough when you talk about weaponry to go along with quarterback Kyle Trask and not just Kyle Pitts. It's a running back committee that does an excellent job in the passing game, uh, does a lot of its work off of defenses, maybe overemphasizing Kyle Pitts uh, and also some wide receivers. Trayvon Grimes, big guy, 6'4". Very impressive in terms of winning balls in traffic. Uh, a lot of confidence in this guy. Um, you know, and you've got other guys. You've got depth at tight end. It's not just Pitts at tight end. They have other guys. Uh, Jacob Copeland at wide receiver. Uh, Kadarius Toney in the, in the slot is a difficult matchup similar to like a Jalen Waddle in that regard. So I agree, absolutely. I know there's sort of been this sentiment all week that this is like a formality that Alabama's going to go out there Saturday night uh, and win by three or more touchdowns. I, I don't, you know, here at midweek, I don't really, I don't have that feeling about the game. I don't know about you, Chase, but that's that's not kind of the way I'm looking at it right now.
0: Well, I'm not going to be surprised if Alabama often, if Alabama's offense just continues to roll and, and, and rings up 40-plus points uh, against this Florida defense, which, as you noted in our Sunday night podcast, just really wet the bed against LSU. Uh, however, I do think this Florida offense is capable of keeping up with Alabama's offense in, in a shootout-type game, maybe not touchdown for touchdown. Uh, maybe it would take a turnover or two uh, for Florida to, to pull the upset. Uh, but I t- if, if Alabama takes care of the football and, and plays their best game, they win the football game. And maybe it is, you know, a, a 40 to 20 kind of score. Uh, but if they, if they don't bring their best – uh, a couple giveaways, maybe then, then, you know, they could be looking at a, a kind of a back and forth kind of shootout. I've got that much respect for uh, this Florida passing game. Like you said, it's not just Kyle Pitts. Uh the wide receiver tandem for the Gators. Kadarius, Tony, Trevon Grimes is outstanding. Tony is a, a shifty guy uh, who hails from mobile as a matter of fact, and really, uh, he, he's he's kind of their Devontae Smith, in a lot of ways. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's tough. Uh, he, he likes contact. He's a football player, and he makes a lot of big plays for them. And they're not all streaks, you know. He, he'll do it in the middle of the field too. Grimes is a big target, 6'4", 220 pounds, a guy that that uh, I think Trask can count on to you know to win some contested balls, some jump balls, and then of course Pitts is has been the most productive tight end in, uh, in the game for a couple of years. And so, yeah, Trask, is, Trask has got all kinds of weapons, and and Pete Golding's got a, a real challenge on his hand in practice this week.
1: Yeah, I think Florida does a masterful job of putting your inside linebackers in constant conflict, really stressing those guys because they'll get, as crazy as it sounds, they'll get Kadarius Toney on a linebacker. You know, they'll design things in a way in which they're able to do that. They'll get those running backs on the linebackers. I've been talking about wheel routes and this Alabama defense going against this Florida offense since Florida lit up Georgia with the wheel routes to the tune of 212 receiving yards to those backs uh, a month or two ago. So, yeah, I mean, it's a matchup driven offense like so many of them are these days. And then you have to consider the potential absence of Christian Harris. Uh, If it goes that way, we heard from Nick Saban on Wednesday evening following Wednesday's practice and uh, said Christian was able to do some things on Wednesday. As we both know, that's typically a pretty good sign, at least in terms of availability. But as Nick Saban also added functionality, what can you really do? It's great that you're back at practice, but, you know, they're going to count on Christian Harris, to be honest with them. Because, again, with as much stress as Ford is going to put on Dylan Moses and Christian Harris, or whether it's Jalen Moody, maybe Josh McMillan uh, in those roles, uh, y- you can't afford to have a less than 100% guy out there.
0: No, you can't. I believe Nick Saban also said Evan Neal uh, might yeah. be questionable for this game as well, and uh, he was asked about Jalen Waddle, by the way, and and uh, I guess a social media post that made the rounds this week kind of teased that Jalen Waddle uh, it may not be done uh, with his uh, season for the Crimson Tide, but won't be coming back against the Florida Gators. He's not practicing, uh, but you certainly get the feeling, Travis, that that uh, beyond the SEC championship game, maybe Jalen Waddle has a chance to sneak back in the lineup.
1: Yeah, Nick didn't exactly slam the door on that Wednesday night. So that's about as optimistic as you'll see Nick Saban get about a potential scenario that is still, you know, a couple weeks away, potentially, if Jalen Waddell. That's the thing about this. Typically, we're talking about the SEC championship game in early December. So you're thinking, okay, well, you get through Saturday and you're going to have about a month before you play a semifinal. Not this year. You're going to essentially have what two weeks, so you know that time frame isn't as wide or as great as it typically uh, is, and so uh, it was positive. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I would guess, though, more so than a semifinal potential appearance, that it might be more about January the 11th, and when you get into a championship game type of scenario for the college football playoff, and you know, that's part of the deal with Saturday night, too. Um, you know, we we, we, we wait for this kind of matchup in a, in a conference championship game. But, hell, I mean, Alabama probably doesn't even need to win the game Saturday night, Chase, in terms of the big picture. As far as the college football playoff, that's not to devalue the importance of conference championships because they still hang those years on the wall there in the Hank Crisp indoor facility, as we both know. But uh, from what we saw on Tuesday night, you know, if Florida only fell one spot from six to seven after yeah. losing at home, as essentially a four-touchdown underdog to LSU, uh, it's hard to, for me to imagine Alabama falling outside the top four, uh, as long as it doesn't just get absolutely boat race Saturday night. Yeah, no, no sense
0: at all. I don't think in Florida only dropping one spot. I didn't get that at all. Uh, I didn't hard, either. hard to argue with some of the clamoring I think coming from uh, precincts like Cincinnati and and, and BYU that that uh, uh, can't seem to gain any real traction toward the college football playoff. And, of course, we know Ohio State uh, has, has kind of gotten uh, a pass to get into the into the playoff game as long as things don't get crazy. So, yeah, um, it, it's looking like the chalk again, no doubt about it. Um, what about this Florida defense, Travis? Touch on that group for a little bit. Uh, was, was the Florida defense that we saw get torn apart by an LSU offense that was missing a whole lot of pieces. Uh, Is is that the Florida? That better not be the Florida defense that shows up in Atlanta. If it is, it's going to be another 50 plus night, I think on the scoreboard for the Crimson Tide. But if you go back and look at Florida's schedule on the year, they've been a better defense most of the year. Uh, they're, they're ranked 50th in the country, which is middle of the road in terms of yards per game allowed. They're giving up about 385 yards per game. But whatever that was that, that they showed up with against LSU, uh, they, they better put that behind them fast.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, they struggle with balance. If you go back to the Texas A&M loss, uh, that was really Kellen Mond in the first half doing a really nice job of keeping Texas A&M in that game. But the second half, it was Isaiah Spiller in the ground game, absolutely running roughshod over that Florida defense. And also explosive plays. You know, when you look at them statistically rushing defense, passing defense, third down, red zone, you know, they're top five or six in the SEC. But when you get into opponents' long scrimmage plays, Florida's given up seven plays of 50 yards or more this season, Uh, That ranks third worst in the SEC. They've given up three of 60 plus. Uh, That's also down there as well. So, you know, that's been the bugaboo for Florida. And Alabama certainly had some issues with that earlier in the season, though. It looks as if now is if Alabama's cleaned a lot of that up. Florida, uh, I'm not quite as sure about that. And, you know, again, that wasn't that wasn't the LSU offense we certainly anticipated seeing earlier in the season. And even with a true freshman quarterback, they were able to achieve a level of balance that you really wouldn't have expected, uh, in that game last Saturday night. Take a look back now
0: really quick at the regular season for Alabama offensively. Uh, what a banner year for the Crimson Tide, Travis, uh, coming off, uh, the exit of Tua Tonga I think a lot of people, myself included, felt like the offense could not help but take a step backwards with Tua's exit, and that just flat out hadn't been the case. Here's some some numbers for you in a, in a ten game season, as we know that that was all SEC competition. Alabama averaging forty nine point five points per game for the year. Uh, Najee Harris with 1,084 yards on the year and a big touchdown number, 22 paydurts for Najee Harris. Uh, Mac Jones, of course, well over 3,000 yards for the year. His touchdown to interception ratio, 27 to 3. That's as good as it gets. Uh, And, of course, Devontae Smith, a monster year, 83 catches, 1,327 yards and 15 receiving touchdowns. Uh, it's, been, it, it's been an absolutely unstoppable offense, Travis, and uh, you know some records are going to fall. I, I'm, I think the, the chatter that, that Devontae Smith is garnering some Heisman momentum, I don't know if he's going to have the votes, to be honest, because we've talked about this. It's kind of become a quarterback's award, but I don't think anybody can argue with De- Devontae Smith as just being the best overall football player in the
1: country, regardless of position. Well, if it's going to be a guy from Alabama, the best football player on the Alabama football team is Devontae Smith. Um, And so absolutely, I agree with you on that. But, you know, you're right. In retrospect, looking at this offense going into the season, really the one area I was most interested in was explosive play capability. And not only because Tua had moved on, but because you had lost half of that four-man rotation. With Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, going on to the National Football League. Well, Mac Jones is actually averaging more yards per attempt than Tua did a year ago. And you can look at it from just about any angle you want. Conference only. You can include non-conference games with Tua last year. It doesn't matter. Matt Jones in 10 conference games this year has averaged 11.7 yards per attempt. He's got a higher passer rating than Tua had a year ago. So, you know, for this offense to not only maintain what we saw the last two years, but even exceed those standards, that's been, it's been amazing. I mean, there's, there's really no other way to put it. And you know, we knew all along that the safety net for this offense was that offensive line, Najee Harris, the run game. If it came down to it, this team could go retro. If it needed to, it's had the luxury of being able to sort of have multiple personalities that you like, you know, when it wants to hit the explosive plays, maybe early in games for the first couple of three quarters, uh, it's been able to do what 2018, 2019 Alabama did when it's wanted to control the game in the fourth quarter in games like Georgia and some others and run the football behind that offensive line, maybe like 2009, maybe like 2015. Been able to do that too. Uh, so from that perspective, I don't know how you look at this offense as anything else but the best Nick Saban has put on the field in his 14 seasons at Alabama.
0: Yeah, the, the offensive line, which I've I've heralded the last couple weeks here on the podcast, I think it's the best Saban's had. They're absolutely huge. Uh, Landon Dickerson, by the way, scouting chatter is he, he could be a first round pick, Travis, which I never would have thought. Yeah. Uh, but he's had that kind of year, and and he he had that kind of year last year, to be honest. But uh, it's been a tremendous offensive line. They've protected Mac Jones extremely well, and Mac Jones isn't necessarily the easiest guy in the world to protect because he's not the most mobile guy. He he can move around the pocket a little bit, but he's not an escape artist. Uh, mobility wise, he's in the realm of A.J. McCarron and Greg McElroy. Uh, not to a Tonga or or a Blake Sims, for instance. So um,
1: even no, but Cor- he's got he's got some Brady and Montana to him. You know he makes it look easy. And you're right, though. I mean, look, he's got a fortress around him. Nobody's going to argue that point. But Mac does do some subtle things um, that that help. But there, yeah, I mean, in terms of protection, uh, I, I, I you you can't you can't really equate what we've seen other guys uh, here sort of experience to, to what Mac has gotten. And I'm sure Mac would tell you the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and what he does do is he can get off the spot and stay in the pocket and buy himself that extra time. A lot of times all a quarterback's got to do to avoid the first pass rusher to get to him is to just move a step and a half or two off the spot Mm -hmm. and, you know, you, you, you end up getting a, a recovery from your offensive tackle a lot of times that way, and it gives you a couple seconds or whatever to to get the pass off. So it's not always about just tucking and taking
1: off or, or no. you know, sprinting outside and rolling well, out. Uh, guys, a lot of times, and you see this all the time, their eyes go down. As soon as their eyes go down, it's over, right? I mean, there is there, – there there's usually no – picking back up your receivers and making a play with your arm. I mean, for most college quarterbacks, their check down is their legs. That's, that's what they're most comfortable with. And, um, you know, Mac is certainly, uh, during his time at, at Alabama, maybe even a little bit at the bowl school in Jacksonville, he's, he's had that sort of ability to, to keep his eyes up the field and you know keep working through his progressions and keep trying to find open guys. Talking Tide
0: Podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in the Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. We're going to thank our sponsors now for this, uh, this fine program. We're going to start and tell you about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley. He's got a great staff of dental hygienists over there uh, right off of 82 in Fairfax Park next to West Alabama Pediatrics. Whatever kind of dentistry you might need, Uh, the teeth whitening services, which of course are really popular, endodontics, dental implants, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry, they do it all over at North River Dental Associates. They're going to have you in and out of there in less than an hour on a routine cleaning most of the time and uh, appointments can be made by phone. Number over there is 752-3506. You can also make an appointment online at NorthRiverDentist.com. Remember, it's North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley.
1: I was just by there a couple days ago. I had the bonding on the one front tooth that fell out. I looked like Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber, which isn't exactly a reach for me, by the way. And in and out of there got me looking at least acceptable. You know, it takes a lot of work to get me just to that point. But with the help of North River Dental Associates, Uh, I'm able to at least achieve that level. Hey, I'm going to tell you about Southern Ale House, also out there in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa on Wednesday nights. It's Wine Not Wednesdays. It's also ladies' night. So you're talking about $5 glasses of wine, $20 bottles of wine on Wednesday nights there at Southern Ale House. On Tuesdays, it's burgers and brews all day long. And this last Tuesday... That pimento cheeseburger, you know, it's kind of the Cal Ripken Jr. of the lineup there at Southern Ale House. You're going to pretty much be able to get that pimento cheeseburger anytime you want it. But they had the fried egg burger on Tuesday as well. That looked outstanding in its own right. Uh, They do brunch on weekends a lot of times there at Southern Ale House. So they can take care of you in just about every way imaginable there at Southern Ale House, 1530. McFarland Boulevard North. Also want to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar. Downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Tuesday nights at Heat Pizza Bar, you're talking about Thai chicken pizzas. Those are my absolute favorite. I'll eat any of them. Trust me. I'm not picky when it comes to Heat Pizza Bar. They're all great. But Tuesday nights, you get that Thai chicken pizza starting at 6 o'clock. Just 7 bucks for those babies. Go ahead and throw in maybe... That caprese salad that they have there at Heat Pizza Bar, great drink options as well. They got the craft cocktails for you. You can do a great job with them uh, uh, at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza.
0: Talking Diet Podcast, rolling on, Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. We're going we're gonna to throw out the rules here, Travis. And, and instead of talking Uh-oh. about a couple of games around the SEC, which, of course, don't matter on uh, SEC Championship Weekend, Texas A&M taking on Tennessee, Ole Miss taking on LSU. But instead of that, why don't we talk about the other game that everybody's going to have their eyeballs on, and that's going to be Clemson and Notre Dame. Uh, they'll mm-hmm. be ta- squaring off for the second time this season. Of course, Notre Dame knocked Clemson off at home. Uh, a Trevor Lawrence lists Clemson team. Uh, Lawrence was out for that game due to COVID-19. He will, of course, be back under center for Clemson, which obviously makes them a different team. How do you see this game, Travis, And and what, if any, consequences do you see for the loser in terms of the playoff?
1: Yeah, I've come around on Notre Dame this year. You know, a couple of times in the last seven, eight years, we've been force-fed Notre Dame. And I have abjectly, uh, I've rejected that. You know, I rejected it in 2012 prior to Alabama paddling the Irish down in South Florida in January of 2013. A couple of years ago, we had sort of the same thing going on. Didn't buy it in that circumstance either. I'm buying into Notre Dame a little bit, Chase. I don't know if it's, we watched Rudy here a couple nights ago. Maybe that (laughs) has something to do with it, but no, I I like, I I like Ian book as a quarterback. I I like veteran Ian book. I think the guy's a winner and I think he is in some ways similar to a Joe Burrow at this point in his career. I don't know how much you want to face a guy like that. Now look, you got Trevor Lawrence on the other sideline this time. That's going to help obviously, uh, and I like Clemson to win the game Saturday afternoon, but I, I kind of think it's going to be tight, and in the end I won't be surprised if, if Notre Dame wins because I think Notre Dame is built in a way with that ground game and good enough defensively, although it got lit up a little bit by Clemson in that first go-around, that uh, you know, Notre Dame can control things. You know, Notre Dame isn't as suspect, I don't think, this team anyway, this Notre Dame team, of getting just blitzed early. You know what I mean? Like getting down 21 to nothing. And then it's pretty much over. I think this Notre Dame team has the ability to push this thing into the, into the latter stages. And, uh, you know, if Clemson loses, I mean, (laughs) Clemson's out, uh, you got to think, right. Um, depending on maybe what happens in Atlanta, then, then it becomes chaos a little bit as a lot of folks like it. But, uh, you know, Clemson wins. I think both those teams are in. Um, you know, I think Alabama's in regardless. Uh, and then, as long as Ohio State takes care of Northwestern, there's your there's your four teams. What do you think? I can't do anything but
0: put my money on the quarterback who's thirty three and one at Clemson, I know. which is Trevor I, know. I mean, you, you, there's no betting against that guy. I don't think really. I will mm-hmm. say this, though. I, I am with you on Ian Book. I was not – I, and I have not been an Ian Book fan up until this year. Uh, but watching him, him play this season, I think he's a different quarterback.
1: Uh, he's a tough he, dude.
0: He's tough. He sees the field better. He's made quicker decisions. I think he's just more decisive. And he's pretty athletic, too. When he, when he tucks it, he can hurt you. He's obviously not the biggest guy in the world, uh, but – I like Ian book. I th- I think he's fully capable of keeping Notre Dame in this game. Uh, but it's, it's hard to imagine Trevor Lawrence, uh, taking a loss to anybody with, with the track record he's had at Clemson. That mm-hmm. being said, this Clemson defense, isn't the Clemson defenses. I, I think of, of that we've seen in past years, talent wise, they certainly got plenty of, uh, dangerous weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, uh, Travis agent is, is, uh, the pronunciation on that, by the way, is not ATN. It's actually agent. Uh, but, agent. Uh, All right. Yeah, that's, uh, I get that from a, I get that, uh, straight from straight from occasion, Travis. So All right. All you know, right. we'll go with that, but, uh, he, he's one of the best running backs in college football for sure. He, he's been a, a, a tremendous back at Clemson. One of the best ACCs ever seen really statistically anyway. So, uh, yeah, I like Clemson to win the game. I do think Notre Dame can keep it close, but it's going
1: uh, mm-hmm. to be a fun mm-hmm. watch, no doubt about I it. I think I think Clemson's combust, combustibility on offense, explosiveness, maybe not as much on the outside is what we had been accustomed to with guys like T. Higgins out there and uh, even Justin Ross before this season, before he had to sit out. But Amari Rogers uh, still gives him some of that big playability too. Uh, to go along with the running back situation. And and Trevor Lawrence, I think, you know, when you get to this point in the season and everything's on the line, it's when you see Dabo sort of really let loose with Lawrence and you'll see Lawrence actually make some plays with his legs that I don't think get talked about enough. This is a guy that can really hurt you with his feet. Look at the big run he had against Ohio State last year uh, in the college football playoff semifinal. Uh, He's he's, a... He's a capable runner, and when the game's on the line, he, he's not afraid to do it. No, no, he's not. I, I got
0: to see him play live for the first time a couple of weeks ago against Pitt, and uh, he's he only played three quarters. Of course, they, they lit Pitt up. Uh, but he wasn't a, he'll, he'll run it up in there. He ran it up Mm -hmm. in there on a, on a quarterback draw near the goal line and took a big shot. Kid got a kid for pits, a safety got ejected for head to
1: head targeting on Lawrence. He popped right back up. He's tough. I I thought, I thought, and I don't want to get us too far off track here. I thought that was Clemson's biggest mistake in the championship game against LSU last January. I thought Trevor Lawrence probably in that game needed at least eight more design runs. They were hurting LSU with some of the zone read stuff, mm-hmm. and they just wouldn't stick with it. And uh, I think LSU was fortunate from that perspective.
0: Before we close things out here, we'll talk a little bit of Alabama basketball really quickly. Travis, Alabama at this point coming off an 83-80 to 80 win over firm in a game that Alabama trailed by 10 at the half. So uh, an an impressive comeback, certainly. Herb Jones with a big night, 18 points, 12 rebounds for him. Uh, Your thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah, Herb, uh, he's that – He talk about safety nets. He's that for Alabama basketball. You said it, 12 rebounds, seven of those on the offensive board. So you absolutely love that. And The second chance points for a change going in Alabama's direction – And they needed it because, once again, the three-point line, not entirely friendly to Alabama, just 32.3%, 10 of 31 from beyond the arc. Didn't shoot the free throws well either, 13 of 25 at the line. So made up some ground there uh, with the second chance points uh, and a a tough win. A a solid, a really solid Furman team that will, once again, be a major factor in a nice mid-major conference like the SoCon. Uh, but that's a win you got to get, and uh, it wasn't pretty, especially in that first half. Defensively, Alabama was a mess, uh, but give Alabama credit. Guys came off the bench, made big contributions like James Rojas, Jawan Gary, and uh, they get it done with Western Kentucky coming in here now on Saturday, Chase, instead of Houston.
0: 1 p.m. tip-off against Western Kentucky. That'll air on ESPNU for you on Saturday, kind of uh... – Uh, If you're if you're a tried and true Alabama fan, you want to just Alabama yourself out on Saturday. You can watch that basketball game all afternoon and then pick up the football game against the Florida Gators at night. But, yeah, I I tip my cap, Travis, to Nate Oates and his squad. If for nothing else, then the margin of the comeback. I mean, when's the last Mm -hmm. time we saw an Alabama basketball team go into the half down 10 and win? It's been a lot. Venture to say it's been a heck of a long time. Usually when Alabama's down 10 at the half, uh, they ain't coming back. They managed to do it against Furman. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, like you said, the the, the, sh- the shooting was spotty, especially the free throw shooting. I think John Petty was 0 for 6 from three-point range.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: but but Alabama's got to figure out a way to win games when John Petty's cold because he will be cold here and there. And uh, they, they figured out a way in this one.
1: Yeah, again, they they really got after it. I thought their competitive level went up there in the second half. You saw guys like Rojas get on the floor. Um, you know, Gary giving them some, some things like that as well off the bench. So, you know, it seemed like Nate Oates after that first half, he was just going to keep going to the bench until he found somebody that could contribute some winning plays and uh, he got around to, to Rojas and Gary, and uh, they were able to do some of that. And you know, Shackelford picked it up a little bit in the second half as well, uh, and, and they got it done. So it won't be easy on Saturday. Rick Stansbury, the former Mississippi State coach, will bring a, a good Western Kentucky team in here, and then you're back into the Southern Conference next Tuesday with ETSU. And next thing you know, Chase, you're, uh, you're playing SEC basketball with Ole Miss and Tuscaloosa on the 29th. Oates is starting to spread those minutes around pretty good, isn't he? Well, you know, he was he was just pissed, to be honest with you, <laughs> on on Tuesday night. It was so bad in the first half. You know, and what I like about this year is on the television broadcast, because the benches are on the other side of the floor, and actually they uh, they even moved the cameras, at, I think, to the other side of the Coliseum, too. Um, you still get the – you still get the the front view of the Alabama bench. <laughs> and, you know, I thought Oates was going to go through three or four masks, you know, the way he was chewing those things out uh, in that first half. But um, I don't know if it was so much set rotations, believe me. I think it was just, man, this guy's awful right now. We got to get him out of here. And so <laughs> he would just keep turning and pointing at guys, you, you, you. <laughs> and And they finally found something there after the half that they could they could work with and and mount the comeback, and you know, uh, Furman got in a little bit of foul trouble there in the second half too. Uh, Clay Mounts, uh, really good player for Furman. He had 21. He fouled out. Uh, gosh, was still about six, seven minutes I want to say left in the second half there. And you know, when that happened, that certainly helped Alabama and. Because Furman was killing him with the extra pass a lot of times in the half court, getting some of those open looks in the first half. And uh, taking him out of that mix was, was certainly beneficial to Alabama's comeback.
0: That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us for the Sunday Nighter when Travis and I recap the SEC championship game between Alabama and Florida. Until then, have a great few days, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Talking Tide.